everyone. Welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg. Um, I am Reverend Meg Biddle, and I currently serve as the National Coordinator of Ministry Life at the American Baptist Home Mission Society's ABHMS. Um, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Ministry Mondays with Meg. What is that about? Um, sometimes I wonder, but the the purpose is supposed to be talking about ministry that happens more than just Sunday morning because we know that ministry is far more than what happens in a church on Sunday mornings and so it's about bringing people together and hearing their stories so my guest today has a great story how's that for a segue on a Monday um my guest today is Kurt Kaufman. And if you haven't heard of Kurt Kaufman, you know, one, where have you been? And two, let me introduce you. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for um, agreeing to be part of this madness uh, that just brings me such joy. And um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do, and we'll just go from there. Sure. Thank you, Meg. So good to be with you. Uh, and talking about madness, that is a regular thing that happens in my ministry context. Um, I don't know that much else happens uh, other than madness, considering, you know, ministry <laughs> is six out of seven days out of the week, <laughs> really, um, actually. So, so yeah, it's great to be with you. Um, Kurt Kaufman, I serve currently at the First Baptist Church of Denver. I am the ministerial associate. I was just licensed actually a couple weeks ago, so that oh, was wonderful. Thank you. Um, I also serve as the communications coordinator for the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists. Some would call that my side hustle. Uh, it depends on the day. Uh, I'm also a student at Central Seminary, uh, almost finished with my MDiv, uh, and serve on a number of different things, such as Board of General Ministries and and, uh, other things for ABC USA. So I, I do a lot of things. <laughs> Incredibly busy. Wow. Okay. I didn't. I don't. I didn't know you wore all those hats. I mean, maybe you don't wear hats. Not everybody's head is made for hats. But I mean, so okay. So you, you you're you're student. Mm -hmm. And what? Um. And First Baptist is it Denver? It is. Yes. First Baptist Denver and. And you do what, like, is that full-time, part-time? How do you? It is part-time. It again okay. depends on the week. Um, yeah. And I'm, I serve as, you know, kind of the office manager, um, but I preach and I lead Centering Prayer. Um, we have a community fridge program um, that I'm a huge part of. And then uh, just any number of other things that happen. Um, last week, it was installing security cameras or helping to do that. Um, uh, another week, it could be cleaning out drains, uh, you know, whatever the right. Yeah. Sometimes it's vacuuming before service starts, mm -hmm. vacuuming before funerals. I mean, yeah. yeah. Vacuuming after service, vacuuming after a chamber choir concert, vacuuming after a lobby day. <laughs> we are right, right across the street from the Capitol. And so there's a lot of like legislative events and stuff that happen on a regular basis. And so mm -hmm. it's, it is a wild place to be on any given day. You know, I, I it's been a few years since I've finished seminary, but I do not remember anywhere in there them telling you that vacuuming needed to be a skill set that you needed 
for ministry, you know, vacuuming, making bulletins, folding bulletins. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I so appreciate this church because they've upgraded their printer and it's got a folder, a stapler, a three hole punch. It's, it's amazing. But then of course, you know, I, I climb into that drain in the window well and I'm like half vomiting and I'm like, what am I, Right. <laughs> what is this about? Yeah. Right. Um, is that 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 goes under two places? Uh, other duties as assigned, and suffering for Jesus. Right? I mean, that's yes. what I would I would be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love you, Jesus, man. Thanks so much. As yeah. I'm down here, ew. I want another shower. Kind of. <laughs> There was many metaphors being had. I was trying to keep it in the positive. I was being like, okay, so, you know, God created these leaves and then God, you know, created the the natural processes that break them down and make them smell. And then, you know, it's God's in everything. And so even in in the stink and even in the, (laughs) even in the the bodily functions that come from the stink, I guess. And then you have a great sermon out of out of that i mean really if you ever feel like you know your congregation is like now what does the pastor really do and why are we paying them and so then if you need to you just pull that one out and use it as a sermon illustration i might have done something similar maybe once or twice It's amazing. You know, I, I quipped to Brian, the senior pastor once, I was like, I love it when a sermon writes itself. And I think that the sermon always writes itself in the other duties as assigned portion. And that is, as ministers, as clergy, as lay people, we should always get ourselves into the dirt and in the mud because that's that's where the sermon is. That's where God is. And honestly, that's where the fun stories are. So, I mean, it is. And, and like, if you could write a book, you know, well, one, you'd have to change the names to protect the guilty. But, um, you know, you're just like, where do I even start? And and it would have to be other clergy that would read the book because no one who is not clergy is going to go, everybody else is going, this doesn't happen. And other, and other, anybody else who's ever been in in any kind of ministry is going to go, yeah, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that terrible. But but everybody <laughs> else is going to go, no, they're making this up. Yep, yep. And that is, that's one thing that happens with our, you know, kind of our congregation regularly being that many of our members are from the outside of the town and kind of suburbia and everything. There is a a relative disconnect between what happens out there and what happens here. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll come up with uh, one time we worked with the Harm Reduction Action Center, um, which is a nonprofit here in Denver that uh, serves kind of the addicted um, community to provide safe access to clean supplies and things so, to prevent disease and. Um, and uh, and we, we were making these uh, what are essentially cooker kits um, so that people can, um, you know, basically prepare their drugs in a safe manner so that it's clean and keeps it. Uh, it's got cotton swabs and things like that to keep contaminants out. It really saves lives. 
that was a little bit of a, a thing for our congregation. They were like, what is this? What does it do? And why are we facilitating the use of drugs in our congregation? And then we're like, well, right. <laughs> let us explain the situation here in downtown Denver and why Kurt has Narcan at his desk 24 <laughs> seven. And it's, it's things like that. You know, it's ministry is such a interesting thing. And, uh, um, I, I just I, I appreciate what you do here to really illuminate that for for people uh, outside of the church. It's mm-hmm. Monday to Saturday is is a lot of the ministry, isn't it? Wow. I mean, it, when you're in small town USA, those aren't things like you necessarily think about. Yeah, you probably have to have that conversation with your. I, I can see definitely having that conversation with your congregation i'm thinking of the two i served and going hmm yes but also how wonderful it would have been to have had that available in those places because you know saving lives and yeah it's just not i i think when when congregations get that ministry is more than just about the number of butts in the seat or the offering and the plate, you know, kind of thing that is really ministering with your community, being in the midst of it. And sometimes in the midst of it means having Narcan at your desk. I mean, then then the church is doing what the church should do when they get it. Um, and I guess sometimes it takes them longer to get it. But um, wow. Yeah. Well. I'm I'm really grateful for you and Brian and and that you guys are able to to share that to do that for your community because just thinking about the number of disease you know how that has the potential to to pre- prevent mm-hmm. disease and lives to save um, what a wonderful what a wonderful thing I mean that the, okay so this is the first one time this one's come up. Sure. Well, and I'm admittedly, I think both Brian and I are grateful that we both have jobs still because we kind of expected that to just kind of be fine. And then it it so we had to do the the pastor Mm -hmm. thing and kind of, you know, and then I'm I'm so grateful for our congregation that ultimately Mm -hmm. was like, yes, this this saves lives. And uh, anyone that's stepped foot, I volunteered there um, for a while as part of my classwork Mm -hmm. uh, in the Harm Reduction Action Center knows that that center saves lives and that that work of harm reduction uh, saves lives. And I hope that um, many of our members in our rural communities and things like that can really kind of take up that kind of thought process because I, this is only something that's going to get worse. Um, It will continue to permeate, not just our urban centers, but also our rural cultures. And growing up in Wisconsin, I know a lot about um, rural communities and drug problems. Uh, So that's the way it is, but the church is in a prime position to help that, to help uh, people of color, to help LGBT people, to help everything like that. So. Okay. So you brought up the LGBT, um, and for those who don't know, Kurt wrote an article for The Christian Citizen, and I'll just remind everybody that you can find that at thechristiancitizen.us, but I will also put it in the show notes so that you can just click on the link and and go. Voila. Um, and so, so when I talk to Brian, I'll just say this, when I talk to Brian about 
he gave me like this list of names, right? Of people, like, make sure you talk to these people. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And so I have, I have ADD if you haven't noticed, but um, I, I have the note phones on purpose so that I can get my little pen out and write things down because I think I'm going to remember them and I don't. And, and so Brian's just giving me like the cliff notes version. And when it came to you, he says, Kurt, ask Kurt about all things left-handed. <laughs> I'll preface that by saying I don't own a left-handed pair of scissors. I do not own, no. I, as my article says, I have been, uh, I have been cursed really uh, with, with the plight of being left-handed most of my life, if you will. While it has been accepted, things like pens, not friendly. I, oh, okay. Okay, uh, let me just say, let, let me also say, uh, my mother is left-handed. So I get, I get like when you go to a restaurant where she makes sure that she sits because elbows and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, but she never said a word about pens and uh, so carry on. Oh yeah. All oh, things yeah. left-handed. <laughs> I mean, I just, my favorite pen, Meg, is a Pilot G2. And uh, any any writer friends or anything like that will hopefully know which pen I'm talking about. It is a beautiful gel pen. It writes wonderfully. It writes as if you're writing on a cloud. Um, and <laughs> the pen is great up until, you know, if you want to use like uh, cardstock or some other kind of heavy mm -hmm. writing cards, which I do frequently, um, okay. just smudge. The whole thing is just smudge. And then you write it again and you're like, oh, still smudge. And then you put something on your hand and then you're doing that thing. Yeah, uh -huh. whole thing. Happens with pencils too. Um, <laughs> and uh, in grade school, uh, I was actually told not to write in cursive because my handwriting was so terrible and it was getting smudged. Um, so mm -hmm. that was a thing. Couldn't, I, I love fountain pens. Fountain pens are great. Not an option for me. Scissors, also not great. Can't do it. Not a real thing. Uh, <laughs> just, there are a lot. Elbows are one thing that I, I never really take into consideration when I'm going to a restaurant, but always ends up inevitably becoming an issue, uh, especially when I'm out with church folk, because um, we all like to sit super close and you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, it's just the world of left-handedness is full of. <laughs> I don't want to say microaggressions because it's not that not that serious, but it's uh, well, it is. So, I mean. <laughs> the world, you know, no one intends it to be, but the world creates several microaggressions towards left-handed people um, that 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 are implicit that aren't realized by too many until you actually get to writing something and using a pair of scissors and things like that. So I having a mother left-handed. I mean, I kind of thought it was cool that she was left-handed. Now, my grandmother, I think, is like one of those left-handed denier people um, because she, she, what is it? She catches, she catches, and then she takes her mitt off and throws. Yeah, so she has to switch hands, but she writes with her right hand. But my mother, when she was in grade school, had a nun for a teacher. So she had that thing happen that some people have had happen, you know, where they thought that you shouldn't be left-handed. And so she came home from school with 
bruised and bloody knuckles. And um, then my grandfather went and had a conversation with the nun um, about that. And um, we'll just say that the nun never bothered my mother ever again. Wow. She was yep. one of the lucky ones, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she writes large and loopy. Um, she doesn't do the like turning your hand in thing like I see some left handers do. Mm. Um, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world when I went to a was on like a school field trip thing and they had a whole left handed store. And so I went in there and bought a bunch of things for my mom because I thought it was cool. But you know. Um and she's still left-handed to this day. And, and she's still left-handed, you yeah. know. It's um, almost like no matter how many times people get hit with a ruler or anything like that, they're still still left-handed. And in the article, I was, you know, I, 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 I knew that this was kind of a thing um, historically and um, things like that. But I, I never really did the research into it. And I was very pleased to find um, Claire Porak's work, uh, um, uh, I, Laterality, the book is called. Um, and I, it's cited in my article. And, uh, and her research and the, what she writes about indicates that, yes, this is not only are the, all of these people still left-handed that got hurt, it, it's still a genetic, it is a genetic thing. And even no matter how much you prevent its presentation physically or its expression, you know, however you prevent that, it's still within them and it's still going to present itself eventually. Um, and by suppressing it and by keeping it down, that only prevents the child from growing into who they fully are. I mean, if if I was prevented from being left-handed, I can tell you that my writing would not be nearly as, and I would have likely been turned off from writing altogether had that happened. But since I was relatively encouraged, at least mm -hmm. up until I was asked to write cursively, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, because I was encouraged, I could write and I was, I was allowed to write and it was easier for me, which allowed me to express who I was. And, and, you know, I, I find it interesting too, that you mentioned, you know, um, that, uh, that she kind of throws with her right and takes the mid off. Yeah. It seems most people, left-handed people that I know, including myself, do different things with different hands. I do throw with my right hand. Uh, I write with my left hand. Uh, I, what else? Um, I, yeah, just various things. I wouldn't call myself ambidextrous by any means because I can't do anything with both hands. Um, but we learn to adapt, you know, even in a right-handed world, um, us left-handers learn to do whatever it is makes us feel most comfortable. And goodness, I wish that was the case for all of our LGBT youth these days. Right. I mean, so, so the, the like the one that bolded quote in there where you came out as left-handed, um, perceptions of left-handedness were just I used a different hand to write, not that I was damaged or ill in some way. And so I underlined that part in, in the article. Um, and, and how we do that in society with, okay, left-handedness, maybe, maybe not so much anymore, but with LGBT, with things like autism, you know, my my oldest has autism and and they have that 
they use the until all the pieces fit the puzzle piece. I hate that. I'm just going to be honest. I hate it. He's not a puzzle to figure out. We know exactly who Jacob is. This is who Jacob is, and and we love him as we as he is. Not yes, he's a person. He's a young man who happens to have autism, but that doesn't make him just something that you've got to figure out or you've got to make sure that you take all the red dye out of his food and he's all, you know, going to be better, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. So it's just that with LGBT, with, with whatever the issue you want, you want to put there that, that somebody is broken. What would happen if we stop, if we stop, if we stop seeing people as broken as, as something yeah. that needed to be fixed. It's just who they are, whatever the thing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it 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 is it is hard for the society to do that. I mean, it's, you know, this, as I described in the article and read in the research, left-handedness before and very, very long ago and things like that didn't matter. And then, you know, kind of 17th, 18th, 19th century, finally it started to matter. Um, and, all of a sudden it was a thing and and why who said it was that way who determined that that was that way is it the devil that determined left-handedness was bad was it who is who is teaching that uh and so there's that who is who is deter who determines that one is broken who determines what human is necessarily i would say god does <laughs> and we are all made in god's image and what does that say about God's image? Um, and so there's that. And then and then to actually break down that barrier, the only I, I'm not certain what really happened in the in the transition of left-handedness, whether people just stopped hitting people <laughs> with with rulers and stuff. I'm not sure what actually changed in the mindset of people in regards to left-handedness, but eventually it was just determined that why not? Why why does it matter? And just to allow people to flourish is is so beneficial for for growing up for for people's mental health um, for understanding who they are um, and I I too I that puzzle piece it implies both a problem to be solved and a place to fit you know that we need to to create a specific place for for you because you you're different you're unique but you have a space well that's not inclusion really is it that's not unity that's not together this that's not fellowship um really is you're just another piece of the i mean the puzzle is just a bad analogy in general right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the whole yeah. thing is a spectrum uh and it's not you don't have to be in a certain place it's the, yeah. you're somewhere you're a human we're all human uh and that's what really matters in the end so I, I, that's like, that's my biggest question. And I know that's not something, I mean, we could try to answer, but like, how do we stop defining people with, with labels or seeing them as less or something to be figured out and just see them as people? I mean, if I could figure that out, how do, I mean, how do you just see people as people? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if we had an answer to that question, there would be no, no need <laughs> there would be no need for a lot of, things, which I so would look forward to. Um, <laughs> but alas, that's, that's why we're here. And, 
And I wrestle with that because it's like when we talk about this, we are kind of in a way identifying people as different, right? We're, we're identifying LGBT people as LGBT people, <laughs> whereas they're really just people, right? But we, but we have to keep talking about it because otherwise we'll just continue seeing the same thing we have historically. We will continue having people beat people over the wrists because they're left-handed. Um, and I don't know where to go from that besides, you know, <laughs> you, you have to talk about it. Um, but in reality, the way to see people as just people is to just treat them like everyone else. And, and I don't want to say to not see people's differences because seeing people's differences is, is a way to connect with people deeper and is a way to um, really engage with them and see them who they truly are is created in God's image. But at the same time, removing that um, is essentially what has to be done, but in a way that still respects differences, acknowledges differences, and uh, celebrates differences. Has LGBT, has that, I mean, we know that it is, it is since the beginning of time, it, it has been, you know, people have been in same-sex relationships and 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 I am certain that there were um, non-binary and and ace and all of those throughout all of all of history. But was it just like that elephant in the room, the thing that you didn't talk about for the longest time, and then just boom? Or is it because of the advent of social media being what it is and the news being instant and in your face that's brought it all to i mean that makes me ignorant about about that issue but i mean how did how did this become where we're at now was there a catalyst to all of this well i that's a terrific question i mean there 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 was definitely something i mean like you said i mean historically it just it existed. <laughs> it happens in nature. It happens. Yeah. It happened with people. Um, we, you know, if you go back into the context of Roman and Greek into our scriptures and things like that, homosexuality, maybe not as we define it currently today, but homosexuality still existed. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a thing where it where it became a problem. <laughs> you know, I that's a, a problem for some people. Uh, right. Uh, yes. A problem for some people. Um, I mean, I think I think Christianity has something to do with it. I think I think, you know, um, the the misinterpretations, especially of, of Paul's writings of things like that had something to do with it. And then furthermore, just the catalyst of acceptance by, you know, Constantine and things and Christianity. And yeah. it just continued to grow from there, perhaps, perhaps. I don't know. Um, obviously, there's there's in American politics there was an, uh, kind of an obvious shift uh, at some point <laughs> for homosexuality and gender and uh, access to uh, healthcare for women and things like all of that became an issue at some point. I don't know when, but I think as as much as this, it, it grew naturally. It grew naturally out of people's misinterpretations, misunderstandings, um, not being a part of the community or knowing people or things like that. 
So it became natural and it grew naturally. And I think just as much as it became and grew naturally, it can dissolve naturally. Just, just like the left-handedness and that whole thing, I, I, I fundamentally think it can. And it, it is, I think we're well on the way, both in terms, of, in terms of the church and in terms of politics and public perception. I mean, the reality is, LGBT acceptance, acceptance of, uh, you know, accessible health care for women, women in the pulpit. Uh, all of this has right. just recently become a thing. And, you know, AWAB is celebrating 50 years of combined welcoming and affirming ministry. Uh, and just recently, just at the last biennial, had their first breakfast. And so things are changing and we may not see that in the detail, finer details of life every day, but things are changing. And this is how it continues to change by just, and I know I said not talking about it is kind of one thing, how you, mm -hmm. but people talking about it, people um, getting together and it just becoming normal. I yeah. think that's ultimately what it is. I, I think the things that, that help are the, the grandmas and the grandpas that go, you know what? My grandson is gay. And that that being it, I mean, and, and not making it an issue, just, you know what? My grandson is gay. And you're like, oh, okay. Good, to, you know, like, good to know. Great. Thank you for sharing that, you know, but just going, hey, it's a thing and I'm acknowledging it and I'm not saying that they're broken. I'm just saying that this is what my my son, my daughter, my grandchild, my I think that that naming it that go, I recognize this. I don't have a problem with it. You know, um the meeting people as you as you do in this life and, and especially in ministry and them going, so you know, next week I'm gonna go do my daughter's wedding and her wife is a beautiful and love and it not being a thing you know go oh tell me about the wedding you know so are you going to walk her down the aisle and officiate you know that that's for that to be the conversation not to be oh two women you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ultimately i think that's 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 what i meant you know by the whole yeah. Um, talking about it, but not talking about it kind of thing. I agree. Talking about it as just it was anything else, you know, you marry a gay couple. It's not like, oh, how does that work? What do you have to do? Is it get? No, it's just like, no. Yeah. How's the wedding? What do you need? What, where are you getting your cake? Things like that. Normal right. questions that normal people are asked because yeah. we are all normal people. And, yeah. and two, it takes um, people that are still courageous enough to bring it up in the first place, like that grandma or grandpa, because, and as I, as I write in the article and things like that, we all stand on the shoulders. It's because people that were left-handed before me who got hit in the, who knows where, by rulers yeah. and all sorts yeah. of number of things. Yeah. Um, it took them saying, no, that's not a real thing. And I'm going to change that um, for other people, for my kids, for, for people that I don't know. It took their standing up and saying no, talking about it, that I am allowed to say, yeah, left-handedness is just a thing. It is just fine <laughs> because I was taught that way. And because people before me went through pain and learned that wasn't the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like one of the, 
the most beautiful things that a person can go through. And I'll just say this in my own experiences going, okay, I grew up in rural Indiana that is red, you know, there's a very red, red Indiana. Um, and um, they were great and lovely people. So if any of them are watching and listening, I do love you all. But, um, but my mindset was, was, was because I was raised the, with the whole love the sinner, hate the sin. And then you coming to a point in your life where you're going, you know what? That's crap. I can't love the sinner and hate the sin. You can't, it, they're not, you, no, you just have to love the person, you know, and, and, and just how God puts people and situations in your life. And you're like, oh, well, now I see it. Now I see the world differently, you know, um, and, and being able to be at that place where where you are an ally and you are proud um, of being an ally and going, what else can I do to make it better? Tell me and, and I will do it. Um, I, 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 I am grateful for that um, journey in myself and, and for others who have come to the same place where, where they're, you know what? My grandchild is gay. My daughter is um yeah we stand on the shoulders and i and it it takes people like like you and like uh, uh, you know to, to break the cycle and and you know it's and there are a lot of people out there um that may see kind of you know the fact that your children are expressing some kind of alternative sexual identity and expression that oh you're indoctrinating them because you know oh you <laughs> you got this oh and now you made your kids gay mm. like and i've i've heard that occasionally right i've heard that for people arguing about drag and things like that but i have to wonder you know <laughs> i'm left-handed <laughs> so many other people are left-handed um, because I'm left-handed, uh, did I make other people left-handed? No, I just allowed them to be who they were okay. and to know that <laughs> you're just fine. Like that's because you suppress things, of course, there's going to be a natural uh, uh, decrease in actual expression. That's what they saw in terms of left-handedness. Turns out if you beat your kids out of being left-handed, they're not going to show being left-handed because they don't want to be beaten anymore. Right. But if you don't beat your kids in the first place, they'll be left-handed because that's who they were in the first place. Right. When you don't, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> if you will, beat your kids with theology and with yeah. reasons not to be gay and things like that, <laughs> they won't necessarily be gay. But if they will, they are because that's who they were. And and it's all about letting people be who they were created in God's image, um, not some kind of control or manipulation or anything like that. It's just letting them be free. Uh, is it enough? Is it enough to say, I don't understand it, but I love you. I support you as you are. Or does it need to go further and and do you, can you say I don't understand it, 
I love you, but you have to be willing to learn. Do you have to, I mean, if, 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 if you've just come to the, I love you and I don't understand it, is that enough? Mm. Or do you have to take it further and be willing to learn because that's where real change comes from? Uh, that is where real change comes from, learning. And I think that the, the I love you and I don't understand it is the first step. And I think for a lot of our world, our country, our people, that that is a step that takes a long time to make and may be very difficult to make. Because one, it's acknowledging that you might be wrong in your current understanding the way, you know, that, and that's, <laughs> I have a hard time with that in many other ways. Right. I can only imagine right. how other people do. And two, acknowledging that there is something more that you have to learn. And that is the second step then. So I think it is enough to say, yes, I love you and I don't understand it, but it must come with an attempt and a uh, intentional act of learning to understand and getting to a place of understanding because that's where affirmation comes and that's where advocacy comes from and that's where real connecting with people comes. Um, I, I think leaving it at just this I don't understand peace is, is real hands-offish and means I'm still going to be kind of separate from you and distant from you. And I'm not going to let you come into my space. We're going to exist and it's going to be fine. There are places where that's allowed to, to be where it stands. Um, I don't think that this, that the LGBT, I don't think race, I don't think, you know, any of that um, is where that needs to stay. I think that that is an important first step for people to make that... <laughs> People have all sorts of difficulty to make, and we need right. to continue working towards that. But it has to. There has to be a two hundred one. There has to be a let's let's dig deeper and let's further our understanding of these people as people, and not as just something to continue to be understood and learn about, but something that you now accept as as a thing. So, what are what are good resources? You, you want to point somebody in the direction of of someone who's at that, that I don't understand it place, but I'm willing, I'm willing to hear more. I'm willing to enter. I'm willing to learn. Where, where do we, where do we point them? Well, I think if, if one is truly willing to learn, um, one has to be willing to enter the space. And so I, you know, I would encourage people that are willing to learn to find a welcoming and affirming church, find a welcoming and affirming pastor, find, um, find a community and a space that you can be a part of. Don't seek out someone, someone who is gay. Don't try to get a friend who's gay because I was wondering if that would come up. Like, don't don't try to just. I've got a friend who's gay, and therefore I know the whole gay community. Right, no, that's, right. That's not even remotely true. No AWAB church looks the same. No, no member of the LGBT community looks the same. There's a reason. There's a plus at the end of that because it's a spectrum. It is a whole thing, and so I would encourage people instead to find places that they can be an ally, be intentionally a part of the community enter into the spaces where people are to get to know them, to find out what they're doing and to be an active part of it. Because 
when you enter into community, that's when you truly learn because you see the whole community and you see what they're doing and you get involved in it. And that develops a passion within you that allows you to say, okay, I feel like I can come to a place of, of under, not just understanding, but advocacy and speaking out and stepping up. Um, I think that that's, that's the key. Uh, I will do a shameless plug for AWeb. <laughs> AWeb Absolutely. has a new, uh, new and improved, actually, resource library as of just a couple of weeks ago, fully searchable. Um, there are plenty of books, sermons, uh, web articles, um, including all that Christian Citizen has graciously uh, published, um, all sorts of resources um, for people to, to, understand, um, <laughs> to understand, to learn, um, and to get involved. Uh, and furthermore, we have connections. AWAB is an association. And so we are an association of over 120 churches. We can connect you with any number of our churches, which is almost in 50 states. We're working on it. Um, we have a network of pastors, um, other clergy, lay people um, that would love to help you understand, to learn, and to get you involved um, in an actual community where you can go further than just understand. That's a great plug. I mean, really, well done. Um, we should like soundbite that or something and send it to Ryan and go, listen, Curtin did the commercials right there. It was beautiful. Um, and the website for AWAB? Yes, is that is awab.org. Very easy. A-W-A-B.org. Uh, and if you go to slash resource dash library, that's, that'll get you directly to the library. But the website in general has a number of other resources. We have ministry opportunities for clergy looking for welcoming and affirming churches to be a part of. Uh, we write all the time about blog posts. We host lectureships. Um, we've got uh, an upcoming webinar on the transgender experience. Um, so we're working on a lot um, coming up in the next few weeks. So. Um, and I'll also put a link in the notes for for folks um, for AWAB. But some of the uh, nicest and kindest folks that I have ever met <laughs> uh, have been in in AWAB churches. I'm just gonna say, um, and loving and and better still going. I'm still figuring this whole thing out. Or I get this part, but this part is a little bit harder for me. I mean, my my own kid, I think sometimes they make like a game of it. Mm. Of, hey, guess what, what new term I can throw at you and see if you can figure out what it means. And um, me trying to hide my cell phone while I Google what said term they just used. Because I probably don't. And that's that's the reality of it. And we're all learning. Um, one of the first transgender webinars that AWAB hosted, um, one of the presenters made note that we are all on this journey together. Even LGBT people are still learning what the other letters in the word means. Um, it is we are all learning together, and it is it is about having the vulnerability and the appreciation of the community and the willingness to go deeper and to be wrong and to learn more. And that is a posture that I think everyone should have about everything. I mean, <laughs> I, there are a lot of people that take certain stances on the Bible and everything like that, but it, 
it may not be that way. And so I, I encourage anyone trying to learn, step into an AWAB church and, and look at what it is, who they are. And you might find an actual church within. You might not see a bunch of pride flags. You might not see a bunch of people, um, I don't know, dressing up in drag or whatever. It may not look like what you think an AWAB church looks like. I'm just going to say that I've preached at more than one AWAB church and no, there were, there were no um, drag shows. I mean, that would have been really interesting had that happened. Yeah, I'm down, but. I mean, right? Um, and yeah, they had a, a small flag on their sign, but it wasn't like, yeah, it, it wasn't. It was a church, just like people are people. Churches mm -hmm. are churches, people are people. No matter where they are on this spectrum, where they are on this journey, just go yeah. with them, accompany yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, great because they used um, gender neutral language and, um, and, and things like that. But other, it looked like every other Baptist church I've ever preached in otherwise. So, I mean, yeah, go learn, be a part, and just love the people. That's, that's, I mean, that, that, and I don't, and, and people should read your article because it is, is it was excellent. Um, and really, I mean, isn't, isn't what we all want is to make this world a better place and to make it a little bit easier for our kids than it was for us and and people are dying Truly because true. they they need to be included and and they're not and how how much difference could we make if we could just call people by the names they want to be called use the pronoun that they prefer you know and just love the people I mean and that's that's real. a lot of this work is is you know it it doesn't necessarily have to be building something great to you know modify our ministry to be super inclusive and become an LG. it's more yeah. about breaking down barriers and providing people a way to be included and yeah. intentionally including them and it doesn't have to be this grand gesture it just has to be acknowledged presence yeah. <laughs> in the end and I and, and I think that is a great like summary of of what a, a welcoming and affirming congregation is. Is it's not that this has to be this grand thing. It's just this thing, you know. Um, it's just this thing, um, folks. Uh, if you're listening, if you're watching, you know, look up. AWAB.org if you're not already a part of an AWAB congregation and most churches these days you can watch them online before you even go in the building so you know give it a shot and and I don't think you'll be disappointed at all um again like I said I've, I've been in in several and never been disappointed um yep. at all um just found them to be very loving, loving people and exactly what we need. Um, Amen. Yeah. 
Um, so as, as, as we wrap up, bring us to that joy question, my favorite question. So you obviously do so much and I am grateful for you and, and your ministry. Um, what brings you joy? Mm. I have to figure that out every single day, as I think many clergy do. <laughs> it, is, it varies a lot, uh, and, and you know, it, 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 there are many times when I have to intentionally seek um, the joy. Um, but I will say, uh, I, I'm getting a tattoo soon. <laughs> that is not the part that brings me joy. Is that, is, is that your first? <laughs> is that your first? What's that? Is that your first tattoo? It is not. It's my fifth. Okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay. anyway, it is. It is the term Yad Vashem, um, which in Hebrew means a place and a name. It comes from Isaiah fifty-six, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that ultimately summarizes what gives me joy: giving people a place and a name. God does that for all of us by default, but I think our humanity takes that away from people at certain times, and um, there are people that get erased um, from from having that place and that name. Um, and so that, that guides my ministry, and that is what gives me joy, either providing a space for someone to uh, get an apartment or be live in their car or to access food or whatever, to give people a place and a name because it is it is not just about where they are but it is also who they are and to actually say that enunciate that um not call them by a dead name or anything like that but call them by the name that they were given to by god and see them for the human being that they were created in Mm -hmm. god's image that's what gives me joy you could have you preached that one (laughs) not yet i'll get there when you do, let me know because I'll uh, I'll watch online because that's that, that, that's that's beautiful. Um, I wrote I wrote myself a little note. Um, it's that's 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 beautiful. It really is. Um, it is it is my prayer. It is my prayer um, that everyone has a place and a name in this world because they have a place and a name in God's kingdom in God's creation. Um, but in this world, we have to fight for that sometimes. And that's what the church is here to do. Yeah. yeah. This is so much because like we might have to have a part two because the, I mean, cause wow, this is just, and it's not like it's, it's all brand new, but it's, it's beautiful and it's lovely and 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 my heart hurts for those who don't have a place and a name in this in this world. So, um, Kurt, I appreciate you so much in your ministry and all that you do, and you put all those good links in in the show notes and um, just pray God's blessings on on you and your ministry and uh, um grateful for our viewers, our listeners, um, reach out, reach out to AWAB and, and, uh, love the people folks. And, uh, find that thing that, that brings you do- joy and, uh, do it for the glory of the Lord. Um, thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you, uh, Mondays on all the socials and just Google ministry Mondays with Meg and, and you'll find That's me. <laughs> Oh, I know. Is that fun? I'm Meg. Um, and um, 
and, and we'll see you next time. So thank you everyone for, for watching and, and for being a part of this.